Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. I don't know if you've ever experienced that moment where you're scrolling through a social media feed and you come across some photos of a person you haven't seen in a really long time. So of course, you're curious to see what they look like. You know, maybe, maybe you see them and you think, wow, they're, they're doing pretty well for themselves. Look how good they look. Perfect body, perfect teeth, perfect spouse, perfect kids. They're doing okay. What happened to me? You know, or maybe you've just finished watching one of the many home design shows on television. And you look over at your kitchen and think, we need a new kitchen. You know, we also need a new bathroom. You know, we need a new backyard. Come to think of it, we need a new front yard. You know, we just need a new house. All right. Or maybe you're out with your significant other on a double date. And you see the way that he treats her. He pulls out the chair for her before she sits down. He puts his coat across her shoulders when she gets cold. He opens the car door for her. And you say to your man, you know, you used to be like that. Now you just get in the car and you honk if I take too long to get there. All All of these are examples of a trap that so many of us fall into. It is the trap of comparison. And it is one of the fastest things to rob us of gratitude. Because the reality is that you could be be perfectly happy with your life until you start scrolling social media. You could be perfectly content with your home until you see a better one. You could be perfectly in love with your significant other until you start comparing them to someone else. And just like that, the tables turn. And instead of being grateful, we got our eyes fixed on everybody else and are measuring ourselves and saying, we just don't measure up. Comparison is one of the great enemies of gratitude. Today, we wrap up a four-part series on lifestyle of gratitude that we've been calling Thankful. In case you missed any of the messages, I want to invite you to jump on our website at sunrisechurch.org and maybe you want to... Download the podcast audio. might be great for a long commute to work or maybe working out at the gym, getting some of those Thanksgiving pounds behind you. Uh, but if you, in case you missed any of the messages, here's a quick flyover. In week one, we talked about contentment. Contentment means I have what I need, I'm where I should be, and my heart is at peace. It's really hard to be full of thanks when we keep thinking that the next thing is what's going to make me happy. In part two, we talked about complaining. Complaining is speaking of frustration without giving a solution. And it's really hard to be full of thanks when our hearts are full of complaints. And then in part three, we talked about competing. Competing is reducing someone else to claim what's mine. And it's really hard to be full of thanks when our hearts are full of pride. And today, we're going to talk about comparing. It's really hard to be full of thanks when we measure ourselves against the ranks. So to guide us in our time together, we are going to be in the Old Testament book of Psalms, chapter 73. And so if you have a Bible or a device with a Bible on it, make your way over to Psalm 73. And we're going to read a psalm that I bet 
many of you have never read before. And, you know, Psalms are written by real people going through real problems. And today we're going to look at somebody who struggled with comparison. And hopefully we can learn from his life and we could thank more and compare less. Psalm 73, beginning in verse 1. Read along with me. It says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Now, in many Bibles, you might have a little subscript at the top. Mine says, A Song of Asaph. Asaph was the author of this psalm, and he was a skilled singer, songwriter, musician of his day. He was essentially the choir director under the great King David, who was a skilled musician in and of himself. He wrote half the book of Psalms. But Asaph was, was somebody who was, who was writing these songs, and this particular worship song began with him giving praise. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. The Psalms were a lot like the worship music we have today. They're a mixture of songs and prayers. And so Asaph begins this one with a praise, but he also has a very significant problem with God. And that comes out in verse 2. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So Asaph admits, I almost quit. I almost threw in the towel on this whole God thing. And his problem was that he was comparing himself with others, specifically people who were far from God. And from Asaph's perspective, it was the godless who were living these wild, carefree lives and getting rich in the process. And he found that to be really bothersome. In fact, listen to how he continued in verse 4. He said, They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. So you thought that social media was a recent invention. It had to be invented thousands of years ago because doesn't this sound like a guy who just finished scrolling past all of the beautiful people on TikTok? <laughs> they have no struggles. Their life is one big consequence-free party. Ever felt that way? See, comparison has so many adverse effects on us. There's actually a transforming nature to comparison. And just here in Psalm 73, I, I can see just a couple of ways that comparison uh, has a transforming effect that's quite negative on us. And here's the first one. Comparison transforms accuracy into fantasy. We stop seeing things as they are and start seeing them in this fan fantastic other way. Looking at people, they have no struggles at all. Come on, really? Look, what he, look how he continues. In verse 4, he says, Their bodies are healthy and strong. Ever felt that way after going through your social media feed? Look at them. They look so great. Look at him. He, he, he looks like he's cut out of marble. Meanwhile, I'm walking around with this food baby. You know, look at her in her little workout pants, taking a selfie of her eating a donut. How do you look like that and eat like that? If I even walk past a bakery, I instantly put on 10 pounds. Look at them. They're, they're so perfect. He continues. Verse 5. They are free from common human burdens. They don't face the problems common folk like us face. They don't have to worry about the electric company cutting off the power because they're behind in their bills. 
They don't have to worry about pulling some, bags, some, some items out of the grocery bags after the cashier already rung it up. They don't face that kind of stuff. He continues, they are not plagued by human ills. They're never sick. Not a sniffle, not a tickle in their throats. Meanwhile, I'm at home COVID coughing all over everybody else. <laughs> These cannot be accurate assessments of the rest of the world. And that's what comparison does, is it skews our perspective. It, it transforms it from, from accuracy to fantasy, which begs the question, well, then why is it in the Bible? Here's why. Because again, the, the Bible is written by real people, and God inspired these words so that all of us can have a mirror. Because it's so hard to see in ourselves, isn't it? But when we see it in somebody else, that's what sometimes that we need to be able to realize, okay, God, maybe you're talking to me. And that was the case here with Asaph. He was really struggling. And he continues in verse six. He says, therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. So his problem was that, that these godless people are thriving, and the more they're doing it, they're growing in confidence that they don't need God, and somehow it just seems like they just keep getting blessed. And so his assessment was in verse 12, this is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Generally, when we start using words like always and never, we've already gone off course. Look at them. They're always free of care. You see all the comparison that's happening here? They're amassing wealth. Look at me. I'm struggling. And so his, he continues in verse 13. He says, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. This is a second thing that comparison transforms. Comparison transforms contentment into resentment. Do you hear the, the bitterness in these words, the resentment in these words? Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. In other words, what he's saying is, why bother trying? Why have I worked so hard to, to live a life of purity? Why am I trying to obey God? Because it seems like people who don't obey God, they're, they're doing great. Remember how he started the psalm? He said, surely God is good to those who are pure in heart. Well, now he's starting to come to the conclusion, well, God is also good to those who are not pure in heart. And he's getting resentful. And it's amazing how quick contentment can do this to us. It, it could take, or how much comparison can, can transform our contentment into resentment. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, years ago, before I moved to California, I worked in a job, and I loved it. I loved what I was doing. I loved my coworkers. I loved where I lived. I was perfectly happy with what I was getting paid. Everything was great until one day. I had, I had a couple months earlier received a promotion and I was invited into this kind of executive budget meeting uh, kind of thing. And the guy running the meeting handed out some sheets of paper and on it were salary information of some of my coworkers. And I remember looking there and realizing that there were so many people within the organization making way more money than me, despite the fact that I was higher up the chart. Suddenly, I wasn't happy anymore. I hated my job. I hated my coworkers. I felt undervalued and underappreciated. They're robbing me. It's amazing how quick that switch can be flipped when you start comparing yourself to others. 
it can transform your contentment into resentment. Look at what Asaph said in verse 14. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. Really? Every single day is affliction and punishment? This is one of the classic signs of comparison. We, we compare our worst days with everyone else's best days. We compare our blooper reel with somebody else's highlight reel. For example, maybe somebody says, you know, at their wedding, the bride and groom surprised everyone with a beautifully choreographed ballroom dance. Whereas at my wedding, I tried to do the cha-cha slide, tripped over my own feet, and knocked the wedding cake off the table. <laughs> it's my blooper reel compared to their highlight reel. And Asaph is saying, my life is horrible. Their life is amazing. This is a worship song. Can you imagine singing that song in church? My life is terrible. Everybody else is doing great. But this is, this is what God uses to, to get our attention. That's what, what's so powerful about the Psalms. And he goes on to say in verse 16, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply, which is another thing that comparison transforms. It transforms tranquil into trouble. Asaph said it itself. It troubled me. When we compare ourselves to others, it robs us of inner peace and instead gets us spiraling in inner turmoil. He, he, he himself said it troubled me deeply, and part of that was he believed some of the wrong things about God. You see, what he was seeing was that people who, who didn't care about God, they just seemed to be doing so well. And, you know, sometimes I think what we believe about God is that if I obey him, then I'll be completely blessed with health and wealth. See, he reduced God to an equation. Two plus two equals four. I do my part, you do your part, God. It's not that complicated. But that's not how God works. We often don't understand what's going on behind the scenes. But for, for Asaph, that was the box he put God in. And he struggled so bad that he was willing to throw in the towel when it came to following God. He said, my feet had almost slipped. And maybe you can relate with Asaph. Maybe that's where you find yourself this morning. You're really struggling with what's going on in other people's lives. Maybe that was the story of your past week when you're spending time with family and the comparisons that were happening and it's leaving your heart troubled. Comparison is one of the great enemies of gratitude and it's got to go. So, so what are some of the things that we can do in our lives to move the needle when it comes to, to being more grateful and less comparing. Well, I could see from Psalm 73 and a couple other passages I want to share with you some, some, uh, some practical things that we could learn to combat comparison in our lives. So if you're taking notes, I think these things are worth jotting down. Here's the first one on how to combat comparison. Number one, reset your eyes. Because here's the deal. Sometimes our eyes get stuck. They get fixated on the wrong things. Have you ever had to reset something that got stuck? Maybe uh, your phone stopped responding, or maybe your laptop froze up, or your, or your home internet seized up. So what did you do? You reset it. 
You pulled the plug out of the wall, or you powered it down, you counted to 10, you know, and you plugged it back in. And the same is true with our eyes. Sometimes we get stuck, and we need a reset. We just become so fixated on the wrong things. So what did Asaph do? How did he reset his eyes? Read with me in verse 16 of Psalm 73. He said, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. What helped Asaph get unstuck? He went to church. He entered into the sanctuary. You know, for him, the sanctuary would have been a temple or a sacred place where the one true God was worshipped. He, he went to church, and something woke him up. Maybe it was a word that he heard spoken. Maybe it was a, a lyric of a song he sang or, or something he read from the scriptures. We don't know what it was, but it reset him. It got his, his, his focus back on the right things. You know, it's pretty remarkable how much the Bible talks about eyes. Here's just a couple of examples. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. See how important the eyes are? The Apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 4. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So many of us, we fix our eyes on the seen things. You know, and again, I think some of us are on social media too much, and it's causing these problems. Proverbs chapter 4, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. And this is precisely the problem that you and I tend to struggle with when it comes to comparing. We're looking to the left and to the right instead of fixing our eyes on God and the place it needs to be. And we just get stuck. We, we, we need that reset. And when Asaph stepped into the sanctuary, he got that reset. And listen to some of the ways that it affected him. It began with how he viewed himself. Verse 21, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. In other words, he's saying, okay, I, I now see what I was doing that was so wrong. I, I got some clarity in the moment. I love another translation of the same verse. This is the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It says, when I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid and didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal toward you. <laughs> I love that. According to Asaph, the leading cause of comparison is stupidity. Because <laughs> the reality, he said, I was acting like a dumb animal and some animals are dumb. Now, I know that there are many animal lovers in this room, so I have to be really careful about how I say these next words because I don't want you running me out of here with pitchforks and torches, right? But, you know, some animals are dumb. Some animals will run right off a cliff. Some animals will run right in front of a speeding car. Some animals will turn on their owners, the ones who care for them and, and, and provide for them. And this is what Asaph said. This is what I was doing. I was acting on animal instinct, I was just, I was following my heart. By the way, don't you love that little piece of advice when somebody gives to you? you know, hey, follow your heart. Friends, if I followed my heart, I'd be dead, okay? 
following your heart is a very bad idea. That's what Asaph said. I was just letting my feelings just guide me. I was acting like a dumb animal. I'm sorry, God. You see, the closer you get to God, the more accurate you see yourself. And not only did Asaph now have a clear picture of himself, but he also had a clear picture of the future. Look at these beautiful words in verse 25. He says, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. You see, when, when we can get our eyes reset, it's not only a great picture for the future, but also for the present. Whom have I in heaven but you? God is our heavenly hope. And earth has nothing I desire beside you. God is our earthly help. See, God isn't just some future treasure. He's here to help us right now, to guide us, to satisfy us, to, to lead us. And, and sometimes we lose perspective of that, especially when we're spending too much time looking to the left and to the right and measuring myself against everybody else. We need a reset because there's something that's so powerful about being in the sanctuary. If there's ever a commercial for church, here it is. And you guys know this, and you might need to experience this, and maybe you got off track this past week, but there's something special about being in the house of God with the people of God, singing songs to God, hearing the word of God, in the presence of God, testify about the power of God that wakes us up. And when you find yourself struggling with comparison, remind yourself, I gotta reset the system. I'm stuck here. Get into that sanctuary and reset those eyes. It could be a powerful way to combat comparison. That's the first thing. Number one, reset your eyes. Here's the second one. Rejoice with others. Now, I want to momentarily move away from the Old Testament in Asaph and move into the New Testament with the Apostle Paul. In Romans chapter 12, Paul wrote this beautiful set of scriptures on how Christians can put love into action. And this was one of those instructions in verse 15 of Romans 12. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I want us to zero in on the first part of that statement, rejoice with those who rejoice, because I believe this can be a powerful way to combat comparison in our lives. When you rejoice with others who rejoice, what you are simply doing is you're being happy when someone else receives a blessing. You're just, you're just rejoicing. Why is that so hard? How do you typically handle the success of other people? Think about that for a second. Are you happy for them? Or is there a part of you that's just angry because they got what you want? And one of the behaviors I've seen in my own life, and I bet you've seen it in yours, is that when we start comparing ourselves with someone else, we begin to write a story about how bad their life must be to make ourselves feel better. Let's, let's, let's give you a little example. Okay, so every year, People Magazine releases who they have determined to be the sexiest man alive. And don't try to act like this is the first time you've ever heard this. <laughs> so the 2022 recipient of this award is the actor Chris Evans. So what is your immediate reaction to that? There's some ladies in the house who are like, yep, I agree. <laughs> There's a couple of you who are like, yeah, he's not that great. I bet there's some guys in here who are like, yeah, I could, 
I could look like that if I got paid to lift weights every single day, but I have a real job. Okay. Sure, he's good-looking and successful, but I bet he's like every other Hollywood actor, depressed and addicted to something. It's subtle, but it's one of the most harmful ways that comparison grabs hold in our lives. We have to create some sort of narrative around somebody else of why their life must be terrible. Here's a different way. Rejoice with those who rejoice. How about just being thankful when somebody else receives a blessing? God has a different blessing for you. Christians love to say, count your blessings. Maybe it's time we start counting other people's blessings too. It's okay to just be happy for someone. You know, for example, somebody may invite you to their house for dinner, and you walk in their home, and immediately you realize they have way more square footage than me. And their kitchen is updated. Mine looks like a dungeon from the 1980s. And look at their furniture. It's so clean. Mine is filled with drink stains and dog fur. So what's the story here? How do I make myself feel better? Well, I know they don't make that much, so they probably maxed out all their credit cards to have this kind of lifestyle. So I'm actually doing pretty well. Stop. That's a form of comparison. It's actually almost the exact opposite of what Asaph was doing. Asaph was saying, everyone else has it so great. What do we do? They must have it terrible somewhere because that's what makes me feel better. Let's just rejoice with those who rejoice. It's one of the best ways to combat comparison. And so here's some new words we can introduce to our vocabulary. You ready? Congratulations. That's it. You don't need to add anything to it like, congratulations, must be nice. Or how about this one? I'm so happy for you. You don't have to add in. You know, if I wasn't a single mother working two jobs, I might have a house this nice too. Now leave that part off. Way to go. This is a beautiful home. Listen, God's got a different blessing for you. It's customized for you. You don't have to constantly compare yourself to somebody else's blessings. Here's an idea. Just rejoice when others rejoice. And when you could genuinely be happy for another person, that's a powerful way to combat comparison. So number one, reset your eyes. Number two, rejoice with others. Here's the third one. Redefine what's valuable. Here's what I mean by this. Listen, you could actually have whatever you want if you're willing to pay for it. And there is a price for everything. And it's up to us to determine what is it that I really value. The world loves to tell us what's valuable. We need to be able to redefine what's valuable. Let me give you an example of this. Many, many years ago, I interviewed for a pastor position at one of the largest churches in the U.S., probably 20 times the size of Sunrise. And in the church world, we tend to equate success with how many people are sitting in the seats. And if that was the only measure of success, this church would have been very healthy. And so I, I often compared myself to these kinds of churches. I thought it'd be so great to work at a place like this and think of all the recognition I would get for, for being selected to work at a place like this. It was, it was comparison. And so I went, I flew out to interview at this church and spent a very intense weekend there. Uh, so many interviews and meeting people and going through these exercises. They brought in other candidates at the same time. It was very intense. And so at the end of the weekend, 
I said to the guy hiring me, I asked, so, so where do I stand? Am I being considered for the job? And he kind of stunned me with what he said. He goes, I don't think you want it. I go, what? I said, well, what do I need to communicate to you to tell you that I, I want this job? And he said, listen, if you take this job, you need to understand that the first six months of your life are gonna be hell. You're not gonna have time for anything. You're not gonna have time for your own family. I wanna hear you say, I will do whatever it takes to have this job. And I hesitated. I said, I don't think I can say that. Because at the time, I had just become a new father. And when I heard him say, you're not gonna have time for your family, I had to decide what's valuable here. Do I wanna be a good husband and a good dad, or do I want the accolades of working at a large, influential church? And I constantly compared myself to these guys. But at the end of the day, I had to decide, am I willing to pay the price? I have to redefine what's valuable. Listen to how Asaph came to this conclusion. Verse 26 of Psalm 73, he said, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He confessed, hey, I, I tripped up a little bit here. Because at the heart of comparison is wanting what others have. And you know what Asaph wanted? Money. You, you heard it come out time and time again in Psalm 73. Look at their prosperity. Look at them amassing wealth. And he had to say, God, I'm sorry. I, I tripped up there for a minute. My feet almost slipped. But here's the deal. I'm gonna center my life on you and every other decision becomes subservient to this value. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That is an example of, of redefining what's valuable. Jesus did this himself too. In Luke chapter 12, he once said this, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. What was Jesus doing there? He was redefining value. What Jesus was saying is that there are some people who believe that the point of life is the acquisition of stuff, but Jesus said there's so much more to life than this. And I think that for many of us, we are comparing ourselves to others and we think, if I can just have what he has, if I could just get to where she is, then I'll be happy. But are you willing to pay the price they paid to get there? At some point in time, you're gonna to have to ask yourself, what's valuable? So, so for example, maybe you're a parent and you're struggling with the issue of, should I put my kid on a traveling sports team? Because all of the games are on Sunday. So I have to determine, am I willing to pull my child out of Christian community and what would I really be accomplishing? Do, do I just like the accolades of my kid is on a traveling elite team? Or is this really what's best for her? This is an example of, I, I need to redefine what's valuable. There may be some people who said, I really want a good marriage, kind of like that couple. But I don't know if I'm willing to pay the price that that couple had to, to pay because I hear them talking all the time about how they've had to sacrifice and, and compromise and die to themselves and put Christ at the center. I don't know if I'm willing to pay that price. And maybe some of you who like, I, I really want to date this person, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus, and I don't want to compromise my faith for the sake of romance. What is my higher value here, and am I willing to pay that price? But 
when we compare ourselves to others, all we're focusing on is the things that they have. And at some point in time, we gotta determine, is this really what I value? Or does God have something customized for me? I love how Asaph concludes this Psalm in Psalm 73. He says, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I don't know about you, but as for me, I gotta be as close to God as possible because when I am, I'm far less likely to compare myself to others. The Apostle Paul had a a similar statement. He said in 2 Timothy 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we could take nothing out of it. So much of our comparison is in the temporal stuff of if I could just have what they have, that will make me happy. And Paul is saying, listen, if you, can, if you can match godliness, putting God at the center of your life and contentment, there is power in that. You stop looking at other people and you say, I got exactly what, what I need. And if I don't have it, I don't need it. As for me, it is good to be near God. Can the same be said about you? Do you sense that you're near God this morning? Maybe if you're being honest with yourself, you say, I've strayed pretty far. I've gotten caught up in the comparing game and my eyes have been fixated on other people. I've been looking to the left and to the right. I'm not, I I need to come on back. It's time to get our eyes refocused on who God is and what he's done. But maybe there's some of you who said, no, I'm not near to God. In fact, I've never been near to God. What you are lacking is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about just coming to church or believing in a higher power or or saying I'm a good person. I'm talking about surrendering your life to Jesus. And here's how to do that. It it just starts with admitting I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I, I can't save myself. My own sins have been what separated me from God. But I'm gonna believe in faith that Jesus died in my place to pay for my sins so that I I don't have to be separate from from him, and I'm gonna commit to following him. I'm staking my life on this decision that God is everything I need, and I'm willing to go after him with my life. If you've never prayed a prayer like this, friends, there's no time like the present. God has you in this moment right here, right now, and if you wanna invite Christ into your life, I wanna help you do that. In just a moment, I wanna help give you a prayer that you could repeat after me, I'll provide you with the words, but you gotta make them your own and pray them earnestly back to heaven. And if you do, God will come into your life and change you. Doesn't mean you're gonna instantly get health and wealth and the world's gonna be perfect, but he's gonna change your heart and give you the power to find true contentment and peace in this life. And so if you wanna invite Christ into your life right now, I wanna ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. And in the silence of your heart, you could just repeat these words after me. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. I am a sinner. Will you forgive me? I believe you died on a cross for me. Will you forgive me? Will you make me clean 
today I put my faith in you. I ask that you change my heart so I won't keep living the old ways, but I would live in a new way that honors you. I pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if you're somebody who prayed this prayer and you genuinely meant it, and I believe that God has done something powerful in your life, that you've crossed this line of faith, and that today is the start of something new, and I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Don't sit on this. Here's a very easy way you could do that. On the program you received on the way in, there's a simple little perforated card you could tear off, and on the bottom it says, I said yes, I prayed to receive Christ. You could just fill that out and drop that in the offering bags that are gonna come by in just a minute, and we'd love to be able to just follow up with you and help you get going. Maybe you've already received Jesus into your life, but you've just been stuck, you've been stagnant, you're not moving anywhere, and you wanna take that next step, you wanna get the motor going. Here's how to do it. Text the word next to 909-281-7797. One of our staff people will receive that text and be able to exchange a few messages with you to help you customize what that next step is gonna look like. Maybe you wanna join Rooted. You heard about it today. It's gonna be starting up in, in just a couple of weeks. Maybe you wanna serve. Or you just need somebody to talk to or somebody to pray with you or, or you need some assistance in some way. Text next to 909-281-7797. Or out here in our lobby, there's a next step table and there's somebody waiting there to have that conversation with you to help you get going. Those who are online, you could follow the links that are provided for you. Keep going, don't stop. Next week is the first Sunday in December. You believe December is already upon us? And so for us here at Sunrise, this is our official entrance into the Christmas season, so we're gonna be launching into a brand new message series that we're calling O Night Divine. It's all about the birth of Christ. You know, this isn't just a, a nice little kid story that we tell ourselves to feel better. This is actually a powerful story that was, that was a historical event prophesied thousands of years before it happened. And so we're gonna dig into those prophecies and we're gonna discover a God who keeps his promises. So be thinking about a person you can invite with you to church next week to hear this powerful message. Until then, we got comparison to battle against. Comparison robs us of gratitude. And so this week, let's reset our eyes. Get into that sanctuary and fix your eyes on the things that are eternal. And let's rejoice with others. It's okay that God bless them. God's got a different blessing for you. And let's redefine what's valuable. The world loves to tell you what's valuable. But let's put God first and make all other values subservient to that. Friends, comparing will leave us endlessly empty. But as for me, it is good to be near to God. And when I am, that's when I could truly say that I am thankful. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I wanna lift up my brothers and sisters before you who are struggling with this very thing. And God, forgive us for how easily we go astray. 
Forgive us for how easily we focus on other people and measure ourselves against them and totally lose sight of what you want for us. And so God, we thank you for the fact that you don't just leave us naked and unequipped and alone, but you've given us your word. You give us the very spirit of God to live in us, to empower us, to live lives that are grateful because you've already done so much for us, Jesus. You're so good. May we live in that gratitude and, and not constantly focus on other people. God, I wanna pray for those who today pray to receive Christ into their life. I pray that today truly marks the beginning of something beautiful. And for those who have not prayed to receive Christ, I pray that they would not leave this place without making the most important decision of their lives. Father, we thank you for the fact that you are our portion and the strength of our heart. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Thank you, Jesus. And we pray all of this in your powerful name. And if you believe it in your heart, then let the church say, amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I wanna encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.